Hello and welcome to a special edition of the MLEX podcast coming to you from Washington, D.C. Uh, my name is Lewis Crofts. I'm the editor-at-large here at MLEX and we've just completed the ABA week, the Washington week, where the antitrust community has come together for drinks parties and a little bit of chat about the law. And um, I've got with me Kushita Vassant, Chief Correspondent Antitrust in the U.S., and we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of things that we've heard this week that have caught our eye. And the ABA week is really the, the week where if you're an enforcer and you want to get a message out, this is your time. This is your forum. The world is listening. Sometimes, you know, admittedly, we've got lots of reporters here and some of the things that we hear are not so new. But this is this is the moment where you where you say what you need to say. So, Kushita, what did you hear? What were the big themes that you heard from these few days? Thanks, Lewis. So actually, a little bit of scene setting first. I should note, this is this feels like the first normal ABA antitrust spring meeting after three years of COVID. We had 3,300 people here. Uh, it was mad. And that's 500 more than last year. So as to the themes this year, U.S. federal enforcers, which is the U.S. Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission, and then state enforcers, the 50 state AGs, many of whom were here this week made sure that they reminded the antitrust community that they're going to be tough on civil conduct cases, on criminal cases, uh, as well as on mergers. Um, Last year, we heard some language like, you know, enforcers are not here to provide concierge services um, for for law firms and for companies. Uh, This year, we saw a continuation of, of that messaging, but there was also a lot of update on the kind of progress Enforcers have made, which uh, has been mixed results. Uh, the DOJ and the FTC have won some cases, but they've lost some cases as well. They seem to be taking it on the chin. So, Lewis, over to you now. What are the big takeaways for Europe? Thanks, Kashita. Yeah, interestingly, the biggest thing going on in Washington this week was not going on really at the ABA, and that was the discussions around the sort of subsidy race for international green technology that's going on between. China, the US and the EU and uh, Commissioner Bestai was here, had lots of high level talks um, with White House and Treasury and so forth about this uh, highly politicized climate of supporting companies, but uh, to make the transition to green technology, but not doing it at the cost of other other countries. That really, what didn't make it much into the the room of lawyers here, uh, but it is very much the hot topic at the moment. Inside the conference, uh, there was the usual chatter about you know, tech markets and and the European Commission's new Digital Markets Act, which it's it's coming online now. So a lot of Europeans explaining to um, Americans how that's going to work. You know, uh, getting various degrees of interest or apathy in response. There was a senior official from the German authority, Andreas Munt, the president, who was um, explaining to America his new antitrust powers under something called Section 19A, which essentially means capturing the likes of Amazon and Google and forcing them to take remedial action over their businesses. So there there was lots of chat about that. Lots of chat about mergers. There's been criticism that the UK is picking on some mergers. Uh, The UK is considered nowadays, post-Brexit, a a smaller country, but it's taking bigger decisions. And I think lots of people in America see that as maybe unfair. Uh, The head of the UK authority gave a very strong uh, rebuttal of that, saying the UK authority is just looking out for UK consumers and UK markets as it's tasked to do. 
the other big thing that happened this week actually happened when most people were landing at the airport, which is the European Commission decided to review a policy framework, a guidance document on uh, how it applies its dominance rules. These are these are the rules which have taken down the likes of Google and uh, Microsoft and, and and so forth over the years. The Commission's taken a few dents from the court and it's looking to take those lessons on board and point the way to how they're going to enforce in the future. So now, Kushita, um, any particular story catch your eye this week? I mean, we've been pumping out the copy, but is there anything particular that you uh, you thought was notable? Yes, definitely. So big tech was the theme of the week, uh, but particularly news that a California judge had levied sanctions against Google uh, because Google failed to uh, properly preserve certain documents or certain communications. Well, specifically, uh, internal employee chats, uh, which were deleted automatically within 24 hours and which should have been produced in discovery. And Google obviously failed to produce those. Uh, And U.S. District Judge James Donato of the Northern District of California, he was pretty angry and he said, you know, this is egregious behavior and sanctions are warranted. This kind of came up a few times um, over the three days of of the ABA. And the DOJ and the FTC are currently working on revising their investigatory tools. They've even come up with a criminal liaison unit, which would allow them to make referrals on cases. But basically, there was a warning issued by both the DOJ and the FTC telling lawyers to instruct their clients, uh, make sure that you do not delete communications over WhatsApp, over internal chat. So we're seeing a new front opening for discovery in U.S. cases, and, and this is going to be huge in coming years. What about you, Lewis? Uh, any particular story stand out for you? Yeah, there was there was one on cartel enforcement, actually. Over the last few years, cartel enforcement hasn't been particularly cool. Um, it doesn't rarely involves big tech platforms and, and billion-dollar fines. And I think there's been a general consensus that uh, cartel enforcement has dropped off somewhat as companies are less enthusiastic about coming forward. Maybe there are fewer cartels because they're learning the lesson. Maybe they're smarter because then and they hide their evidence better. Um, and maybe they're just um, not coming forward because they risk, uh, they don't want to face the risk that this could um, lead to lots of private lawsuits that far um, outstrip what the regulators are going to do. That said, um, this morning um, at an event hosted by Gleis Lutz, there was a speech by a senior EU official who said that the recent cartel rates uh, and these target fragrances and fragrance ingredients, they're the things which um, make me smell nice and you know make my toilet smell better. Um, and those um, raids were prompted not by a whistleblower, not by someone coming in saying, you know, there's a cartel in the industry, but by the commission's own gathering of intelligence. And what they're trying to say there is that two messages. One, uh, we're not always dependent on whistleblowers. We can find information ourselves and that information could be sufficient to launch an investigation. So that, again, is meant to incentivize people to come forward. Uh, and the second thing they're saying is you can have international cartel probes on this basis. So a, a regulator in one jurisdiction can gather this intel, share it with another, and then you can you can launch a joint investigation. And this one is Switzerland, the UK, the US, and Europe. And what the novelty here is that doesn't really happen. Usually it's about a single whistleblower who comes in and tells all the agencies at the same time. In this instance... It's the other way around. An agency or two agencies have found some information, said they think there's enough here, 
shared it with the others, and then have gone out raiding. And that's uh, that's rare. So we're nearly done now. It's you know been a long old week. Could you say anything um, a little bit more amusing catch your eye? Yes, actually a couple of instances. Um, I have to quote because I have to deliver exactly the line they said. I was in a panel with uh, a bunch of global enforcers. Uh, I had Alberto Baciega from the European Commission. You had Dan Guarnera from the Department of Justice and James Lloyd from the, uh, he's the chief of the, um, antitrust chief of the Texas Attorney General's office. James Lloyd was saying uh, he often hears American companies say, you know, the U.S. government should do something, have the ability to stand up for them when there are procedural issues or when they're being investigated in foreign jurisdictions. And um, I quote, he said, you can discipline your own children in the grocery store. But as soon as somebody else yells at your children, that's when you know you've turned one step too far. And Alberto Baciega from Europe was quick to retort, we only yell at children playing in, your, in our backyard. So, so that, was, that, that was a funny thing. Um, I think it got a little spicy, uh, but the audience laughed. The other thing, well, this didn't exactly happen at the ABA. It happened a couple of days before the ABA. And Paula Blizzard, who is the new antitrust chief of the California Attorney General's office, uh, she blamed airline mergers for basically bad amenities on flights, specifically Wi-Fi. So I'm going to quote her. And she's talking about, uh, you know, how a plane contacts multiple satellites and ground systems at, as it takes off. And so Blizzard says, this is really old tech. We can keep track of satellites so far out that they have left the solar system, let alone a plane. So why don't we have better Wi-Fi on planes? Because we haven't blocked the airline mergers, people. <laughs> I, my my um, final thought is that there's been quite a debate in recent years about diversity in the antitrust community. And you only have to go into the final session of this massive conference where there's thousands of lawyers in the room and see that they're predominantly male. Uh, and this is a point which I think is developed a bit, not not that there are fewer, fewer men there at all, but that the panels, the ABA has clearly made a made an effort to have more diverse panels and the final showcase one involved uh just you know of the enforcers just one man all the other enforcers were women and that was that was noted and i think uh, got a round of applause so the enforcers are doing their bit but then at the end of the conference uh commissioner Vestaya, the eu commissioner made a pointed remark to all the uh all the lawyers in the room that the partnerships of law firms at the top echelon of law firms uh, doesn't yet show enough diversity certainly between between men and women and uh, she wanted to you know drive that point home and it brought with her a um a red balloon and the red signals is the is the campaign color of of this particular interest so i think you know that will be a lasting message that people will go home with which is you know some progress has been made on diversity the panel certainly exhibited that but yeah i think it was a little bit the enforcers pointing the finger now back at the law firms saying um, amongst partnerships that's the the top tier it's time for you to do your bit. So that's a wrap. Um, it's time for me to get back to the airport and Kushita finally to get some sleep. Um, it's been a blast. Thanks very much, Kushita. Um, for anyone who's interested, uh, we'll be wrapping up all of our coverage uh, in a special report, uh, which you can download on the website. So I'd, uh, I'd point you that way. And Kushita, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.